Well, my friends, we have some exciting news on today's podcast because today is podcast 160 and we are starting a new study in a new book. So today we're going to be launching into the book of Galatians. Now, as you know, Galatians is a rich book filled with Paul laying out the differentiation between law and grace, and it gets into the term justified by faith. So excited to be jumping into this book with you. Turn to Galatians and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you are blessed in the Lord. Thank you guys so much for joining me on another episode here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. And as I said in my opening, I'm just so stoked to be jumping into the book of Galatians with you. And as you know, on this podcast, we started with the Gospels, you know, so we're just going through the New Testament, but we're going to go through the New Testament in chronological order, meaning the time frame in which these letters were written. And so we just covered the letter that James had written to the early church. He was the first, roughly around AD 47. And shortly thereafter, Paul's first letter is Galatians. And so we're going to be getting into the background of when he wrote this. And I'll just tell you right off the bat, it was probably around AD 48 or AD 49, no later, that Paul writes his first letter to the church. And I believe in some cases he's inspired by James. We know if you studied the book of Acts with me, that James, the half-brother Jesus, was a pillar of the faith he's referred to as, and he's a leader of the church in Jerusalem. And great things come from James. He was not an apostle like the 12, or like Paul, born out of due time, he refers to himself as. So James was not technically an apostle in that sense, but he certainly was a mighty leader of the faith, and people looked to James, and Paul did as well. And so as he now launches into writing letters to the church, he addresses grace over the law. That's the primary task that we're going to be exploring on today's podcast as we look into Galatians. Now, as you guys know, we have a website, standstrongministries.org. You can click on podcasts and you see the different tabs there for the Gospels, the book of Acts, James, and now as we start exploring Galatians. So take advantage of that. Let your friends know. Let family members know. If you are looking to do a Bible study, you can take my notes and you can listen to the audio like you're listening right now that you can send that for that. However you download and access the podcast, send that to your friends. Let us know how that's going. If you guys have questions, you know I love doing Q&As around the country and I love receiving questions and prayer requests. So info at standstrongministries.org is how you can reach out to let us know, one, how you're being blessed with the podcast, any prayer requests that you may, not, you may have, and also if you have a theological or practical, biblical, apologetic question, send them to me and I will do my best in a timely manner to get back to you. So those are opportunities. And I want to say though too, you know, just a big shout out to so many of you who pray 
for me, for Stand Strong Ministries, for the podcast, and for those who faithfully give to support the ongoing ministry. We were just looking at the numbers recently and the downloads, you guys, continue to grow. The expansion of the podcast, again, we're just teaching verse by verse in chronological order through the New Testament right now on the podcast. So this is my time with you that we study the word together. That's it. And I'm not here to preach. I'm here to just to teach and uh, as a brother in Christ, just to have this time with you guys. And so it's just a blessing to see the growth of how God is taking this. And as I've been telling you guys also to be praying, I've been having meetings with various different people and we are looking to launch a new podcast in addition to this one. So this one strictly studies the, the Bible, but then we're looking to launch based off of my book, Challenging Conversations, a podcast called Challenging Conversations with Jason Jimenez, where I will start taking a lot of the controversial topics and a lot of issues or questions you might have, or whether it be about, you know, uh, same-sex marriage or how do you deal with divorce and remarriage? How do you wrestle with demonization? You know, what kind of authority has Jesus given us? What about racism? You know, what about the, the role of the church and what's happening to pastors these days? And when people fall and, you know, I'll be bringing on a lot of colleagues and dear friends and even people that I have yet to meet in person, but I know them from afar and bringing them on and having a discussion, just two Christians having a discussion. And sometimes we're going to disagree right? We'll have different perspectives, maybe on our eschatological positions or when it comes to our view of sin and salvation, you know, homartiology and, and soteriology. And, and, uh, but to show you guys how to respectfully converse with people. And a lot of these people, you know what? We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so it just be a great way of having dialogue, but helping families, helping you as an individual follower of Jesus Christ grow in your faith and defend the faith. And so be looking forward to that. I'll be announcing that soon as we start um, going through the interview process. And then we start working with uh, several outlets that we're going to be pushing it out there. So just exciting, great news about how God is using, again, the podcast world to get his truth out there. So with that being said, let's now dive in to Galatians. As I mentioned earlier, this is the first epistle that Paul has written before AD 48, 49, roughly. And the purpose is to address grace over the law. Now, if you know, in the context of what was taking place at this time, there were many who believed in Jesus Christ at this point. But there still remained many Jews, right? People who are in Judaism, many observers or followers. So remember, there could be Gentile people who are referred to, as we saw with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, they're God-fearing followers of Judaism. So the Jewish people said, you're not a Jew, okay, but you can be an observer of the law. And of course, there are certain things they couldn't do because they were not born a Jew. Now, we also know that there's an audience that is continuing to push their ideology to continue to advance Judaism. And those are, those are called Judaizers. These are people who try to mix grace and the law together. So in some cases, and we'll be seeing that as we're exploring the book of Galatians, some of these Judaizers were in fact people who professed to know Christ as Messiah. That does not necessarily mean they're saved, you guys, the way that we would refer to as Paul challenged it by using justified by faith. But these are people who are claiming Christ as Messiah, okay, Mashiach. 
they believe that he came to fulfill the law and that we are saved through his death and resurrection, but we must continue to maintain and observe the law. And so there are still even Christians today, and there's a, it's a small sect of people. They're not Jewish, they're Gentiles, but they are law or Torah observers. And, and that's kind of what we're going to be seeing as we look at, particularly in Galatians chapter two, three, and four. And so they're trying to compel others that they could be saved by grace, but they have to keep the law. So keep that in mind. Now, another thing that's important about the book of Galatians, and this is important when you explore the theme, right? And in this case, when it comes to Paul, who written, who's written 26, uh, or excuse me, 13 and of the letters in the New Testament, some can throw in Hebrews, but there's a theme in each one of his letters. And in this case, in Galatians, we refer this book as the Declaration of Independence of Christian Liberty. And the key verse of this letter is found in chapter five, verse one, where it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of bondage. Now, Martin Luther, the great reformer and great commentary, he said that he loved Galatians so much that he was married to it. And we're going to see particularly in a passage in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, that was reflective of him reading Romans 1, verse 17, that the just shall live by faith. Now, the place of Galatia, right, hence the, the people are known as Galatians, it literally just means the country of the Gauls. And you think, well, what is this? Well, these are warlike tribes that came from Europe and they migrated into Asia Minor and that's where they eventually settled for several hundreds of years. Now, centuries later, the Romans, they came in, right? And they made a large part of Galatia as one of their provinces. So this was a strategic area for the Romans. Now, it's also important to understand that there are two regions to Galatia's countryside. Now, as I'm, let me just say this, as I... I'm going to be teaching through Galatians. I'll refer a little bit back. Right now, I'm just going to give you a little summary, back, uh, background to the letter. But I'll be referring back, and you can pick things up in Acts, because when you see Paul actually traveling during this time. Now, it's also important to understand that when we do read the book of Acts, and there are certain locations where Paul is at that is in reference to, like, for example, when he goes through uh, you know, Galatia's countryside, there's a northern region of Galatia, which was made up of small cities and mostly agricultural development. And then there's the Providence or the province of Galatia, which is known as the southern region. And that's where there's a bunch of huge cities and a major, uh, it's a, it was a major player in commerce in the Roman Empire. So when you do look in the book of Acts, particularly in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 13, all the way to chapter 14, verse 20, that's where Paul wrote this letter to the churches. And so, so he's writing to the province of Galatia. So he's specifically writing to the southern part. So I live in North Carolina, right? So if I was saying I was writing to the, you know, the, the, Carolinians, I can be more specific and say I was writing to the North Carolinians. And so he's writing to Galatians, but he's particularly writing to Christians in the southern region that would represent Echonium, Lystra, and Derby. And this is the southern part of Turkey. Okay, this is the southern 
part of Turkey today. And so Paul, when he was in Southern Galatia, that was his first missionary journey. So again, as I referenced to the passage in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 13, all the way to chapter 14, verse 20. So check out if you haven't, or it's been a long time, right? But if you haven't, or you have, but it's been a while, listen to that particular podcast in Acts 13 and 14. Check that out at standstrongministries.org. Now he goes through the Northern uh, Galatian part in his second, in his third missionary journeys. So let me just say this, which again, explains why Paul wrote first to Galatia. Because number one, this was part of his first missionary journey. And you see that in Acts 13, 14, right? And you see the areas, Inconium, Lystra, and Derby. okay? So there's a large area uh, that's known as Southern Turkey today. But then he goes through the Northern parts in his second and third missionary journey. So Paul spent a lot of time, you guys, with the people in Galatia. So that's the background. So today, the title is Paul's Calling to Preach the Gospel. That's the title of today's podcast, as we're going to be looking at chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. So if you have a Bible, let's read. Here it says in Galatians 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord, Paul, an apostle, not from men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver. That literally means, you guys, when it says to deliver us from the present evil age, to rescue from the power of darkness, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, so those are the first opening verses to Paul's first letter. So let's break it apart now. So notice immediately Paul, and we know him, who was Saul of Tarsus. And again, go back to the book of Acts, see his conversion story in Acts chapter 9. And then you can see him, how he shared his testimony in Acts chapter 22 and Acts chapter 26 to a Gentile audience and to a Jew audience. So we know who Paul the apostle is, but let's first examine what an apostle is. Now, the term simply means a messenger or a representative. So we can say that we are all apostles of Christ, okay? We are all messengers. We are all representatives. Or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, we're ambassadors. We are to be sent out. We're delegates of Christ. But we know that there's a certain qualification to the apostle that Paul was, that he was with the other apostles who were disciples of Jesus. So this is get, it gets a little bit more specific. Matter of fact, I would say a lot more specific, right? Because yes, a apostle is a messenger representative who has been given authority, right? To deliver or send a message on behalf of God. So this is in the new covenant, not, a, not prophets. And again, by the way, you don't see that the prophets are completely gone. We see them in the early church in the book of Acts. We see prophetesses as well, like Philip, his daughters, they prophesied, Agabus also. We see uh, prophecy used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We also see the office of a prophet in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. So prophets are not over, but specifically in writing scripture, God has raised up not just one man, but several, but the primary man who's going to write most of the New Testament 
is the Apostle Paul. So Paul is going to be delivering messages from God through the Holy Spirit, right? The third person of the Trinity in a way that no one has ever expounded. Now, Paul's qualification, as you and I know, to become an apostle, there's two main qualifications. And this is why this is a major difference than just saying, oh, an apostle is a messenger representative, therefore we're all apostles. Yeah, in that sense, yes, but not in the way he's using it here. Okay, this is unique. And one of the qualifications, as we clearly see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, was that you had to see the risen Christ in physical form, post-mortem. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, 9 says, as to one untimely born, he, Jesus, appeared also to me. And then he says, for I am the least of the apostles because I persecuted the church of God. So he saw Jesus Christ in his post-mortem body. That's a qualification. Qualification number two, he, you had to be commissioned by Jesus directly. Remember in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, he, that is Paul, is a chosen instrument. This is what Jesus told Ananias. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings in the children of Israel. Not only that, but Paul later would go on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, that he was called by the will of God to be what? An apostle of Christ Jesus. He says in the second letter to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 17, he was commissioned by God. So those are the qualifications for Paul as an apostle. Notice, not from men, nor through man. So he wasn't building a false religion as Bart Ehrman and others say he did. Like there was a, you know, that James eventually or whatever, or his followers capitulated to Paul and he dominated the Christian view of Christ that later became what we believe today. False. Paul was commissioned as an apostle by God, not through man. So Paul's opening remarks to the churches in Galatia is to let them know that his apostleship was not appointed by any person or institution, but from God himself. That's important. Paul's commissioning was not given by Ananias, right? When you look at the passage in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. No, Ananias received these words from Jesus and was sent to aid Paul, to help him go to Damascus. And then later he would encounter Barnabas. And even though Barnabas defended Paul's conversion and he sent him and presented him to the apostles and said, we need to receive this man. God is moving. Christ has appeared to him in Acts 9, 27. Paul didn't get his commissioning from Barnabas or even the apostles. So they didn't anoint Paul for apostleship. Jesus appointed him. So you say, well, then what are the apostles? Why did he have to go to the apostles? And what was Barnabas doing? Well, because they were what? They were confirming the commissioning. And that's why he uses this phrase, but through Jesus Christ in God the Father. And I love that phrase because here, Paul's apostleship, it was a divine calling. It wasn't just given by Jesus, but God, the Father. And Jesus, remember, came to do the will of the Father. And he's writing this through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I love what Acts 20, verse 24 says. Notice what Paul writes. 
that I may finish my course and the ministry. Notice that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul knew exactly what he was called to do in his life, my friends. So write these down if, if you can take notes or if you, are, if you have a good memory. Acts 9, 15 through 16. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 10. 2 Timothy 1, 11 through 12. And you'll see how Paul lived his life as a commissioned apostle. And I love this because as a commissioned apostle, what, what was he proclaiming? The resurrection of Jesus. Because notice he says, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. See, the resurrection of Jesus is central to Christianity. Acts 4 verse 10. Romans 4 verse 24. Colossians 2 verse 12. I love this passage and I can't wait until we dive into the book of Romans, right? Romans 8, 11, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So this is the power in which Jesus, right, gave Paul in his commissioning. And then it says, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So remember the churches of Galatia, I was telling you, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, And he does this, you know, the standard twins, grace and peace from God our Father to all of you. And then this famous passage that oftentimes is quoted when we're dealing with justification by faith, which again is a theme to this letter, talking about verse four, gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. So many in the early church only knew Paul, remember at this point, as a persecutor of Christians. So for him to refer himself as no longer a Saul of Tarsus, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, who is a persecutor of the church, he later will be talking about that. Of course, he mentions that in the book of Acts as he was preaching, but notice in his first letter, it's in the affirmative. Now, others were telling lies about Paul, as you can imagine, and probably uh, trying to uh, disqualify him by simply saying, he's not qualified, you guys. You can't have a guy who's living by the law, who's under Gamaliel, who's representing the Sanhedrin, and, you, and, and then he was killing Christians, maybe not by hand, by force himself directly, but he's giving the orders. And we know the famous one that was in Acts chapter 7 of the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. And they were laying the coats at whose feet? At Saul of Tarsus. So the churches of Galatia, um, it's important to know that he's writing to the churches. Also, I didn't mention another one is the Pisidian Antioch. And again, Acts 13, Acts 14. But let me focus in on this particular phrase, who gave himself for our sins. So Paul here is pointing out, you guys, the substitutionary atonement. Now, in our day and age, with all the systematic theology and all the breakdown and commentaries that we have, you know, we again, we just dissect this. But at the time, you guys, in AD 49, talking about this and the way in which he's doing, remember, and, and not everything was circulated, especially in Southern Galatia from the, the letter of James to the early church. So this is the first introduction for a lot of these Jews who are now followers of Jesus Christ talking about this voluntary act of Jesus who sacrificed himself on the cross for the sins of mankind. 
So when you're looking at the words of Jesus in John 10, 17 through 18, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life. Why? That I may take it up again. And then Jesus said, no one takes it uh, from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. Of my own accord. I have authority, he says, to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. And by the way, just as a side note, because there are a lot of people out there who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ and they may be modalists, meaning they only believe in the oneness of God. And you're like, yeah, Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Shema, I believe in the oneness of God. But they denied Jesus' deity. They denied Jesus' the second person trinity. They denied the triune Godhead. And one of the arguments that they give is that Jesus couldn't even raise himself. So what kind of God is that? If he was God, he would have been able to raise himself from the dead. I'm like, uh, John 10, I just read you. I have authority to lay it down. And notice, I have authority to take it up again. I, Jesus. So yes, I just read to you Romans 8, 11, that says the same spirit of him, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. It's all, you guys. The Trinity was involved in all of this. And so that's why they're involved, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in Him coming alive. Now, explaining the need for Christ's substitutionary atonement, my mentor, Dr. Norm Geisler, and again, I recommend it highly, get his systematic theology in volume three, listen to what Dr. Geisler says. Without Christ, the God-man, paying the price for our sins, God could not be just and yet also be the justifier of the unjust as Paul declared him to be. And, he, and then he, he cites Romans 3, 21 through 25. Without the just dying for the unjust, capital J, by the way, without the just, that is Jesus, dying for the unjust, you and me, God's justice would not be satisfied. And without justice being appeased, God's mercy could not be released to declare the otherwise unjust sinners to be justified in his eyes and hence qualified for heaven, end quote. So that is the substitutionary atonement. Without Christ, who is the God-man, fully man, fully God, without Jesus paying the price for our sins, God Right, who is holy and just. If there was no justifier, you guys, for the just, we would not be justified. We would not be declared righteous because God's justice demands payment. And Jesus voluntarily gave himself up so that you and I can have life everlasting. And not only that, see, that's only in part Because notice what Paul says here. And man, you guys, listen. I just love this part too because he says, and he delivered us from the present evil age. So not just he died for our sins to give us eternal life. He died for our sins to forgive us of our sins. And he died died on our behalf to deliver us as well, you guys, from the present evil age. And here Paul's using apocalyptic terms to describe the emancipating power of the gospel. What that means is that Christ defeated sin and death on the cross. And what he did was he opened the door for you and me to be freed from our bondage of sin in the present darkness ruled by Satan himself, the God of this age who blinds people. 
Remember I read to you in the opening Galatians 5 verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. And what are we to do? We're to stand firm in that. And we're not to submit again to a yoke of slavery. I love what Faith Life Study Bible says regarding this particular phrase, deliver us from the present evil age. Quote, Jewish people divided history into two major sections. The present age, in which God's rule is not fully established, and evil persists in the coming age, when God will complete his rule as king. For Christians, the sacrificial death of Christ enables believers to live under God's rule in the present age. For this reason, in others, the deeds Paul affiliates with the flesh, that is sinful acts, are inappropriate for the people of God, end quote. And of course, they reference Galatians 5, 19 through 21 about living in the, in the spirit, not in the flesh. So you see that we live in the present age. God rules, but we are still in this body of death. And evil still exists and persists. But we all know as a Christians in our theology that there will come the kingdom of God where he will rule. And one day he will put an end to sin. And then there's this encapsulated term, according to the will of our God and Father. So God the Father predetermined, because this is the sovereign will of God. According to, literally, you can say the sovereign will of our, of our God and Father. Because God the Father, when he plans something, you guys, when he puts things, it's known as his eternal decree. No one can stop it. Job 42, verse 2. No one can thwart the sovereign will of God. So God the Father predetermined that Jesus the Son would sacrifice his life to atone for the sins of the world. You know, Paul, he would repeat this phrase later on in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. So again, you guys, when you hear these phrases, according to the will of our God and Father, that is a promise. That is something that you and I can hold fast to. And we can know that when God, in this case, called Paul, to do his work and Paul in obedience responded, God used him in a mighty way. So this may be Paul's life, you guys. He may have been fulfilled. It wasn't easy, but he had total peace and he was given the strength that he needed to withstand all of the opposition and persecution that he faced. And he was called to preach the gospel. Now you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are certainly called to preach the gospel. So I ask you, my friends, what is it specifically that God has called you to do where you're at? How are you using your spiritual gifts? Do you even know what your spiritual gifts are? But one of the beauties that I see within this opening portion is the confidence that Paul had, not in himself. And he certainly, as we're going to see in the next podcast, was not pursuing the pleasures of the world or trying to get in, if you will, with man. He wasn't here to please man. He was here to fulfill what God had called him to do. He was here to please man. In a way, again, not selfishly or carnally or narcissistically, through the pleasures and the desire of seeking the will of God. So in essence, Paul was about pleasing his father. So there are times, you guys, when we want to please someone Again, by serving Christ, 
we're not submitting to what they want us to be or we become whatever they want us to be so we fit in. No. That's not how we serve the Lord. And we're, in the end, really not serving others. Okay, we're only harming ourselves and becoming something that other people think that we should be for their own pleasures. And we see so many times Christians can, can get messed up into that. And so one of the things to avoid that is like Paul here, know who has called you. Know who has saved you. Know who has raised you from sin and death. Know who has delivered you from the present evil age according to the will of God. And that's Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here in verse 10, or excuse me, verse 10, uh, 5, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Every day of our lives, may we glorify Jesus for he is worthy of our praise. Amen. So thank you guys for taking the time as we jump into a new book, the, uh, the letter to Galatians. And so I hope that you will stick with me and that you and I will just have a great time as we journey through this book of freedom. So God bless you guys. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.